When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures, or in this case, next season. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I have two of the FPL Experiment podcast with us. No Greg this time, but I do have Adam and Nick. Guys, thank you joining me again it's always a pleasure to have you both on hi sam yeah thanks for having us sam i think this is the first time we've done a podcast without greg it'll be weird because normally we've got um like the figure of fun someone that we can take the mick out of so it'll be strange maybe it'll be a lot more serious not going to take the mick out of me are you instead no he's gone (laughs) he's a risk sam who knows (laughs) anything could happen talk to me about game week 38 how was it for you honestly one of my favorite fpl game weeks ever so we had two aims going into that final game week we had the podcast aim which was for our team to finish in the top 50k and then we also had the chance to win our mini league now we hadn't been at the top of this mini league with our mates all season I I actually didn't realize that until Nick pointed this out maybe like two days ago so I mean it was a bit of a stretch because I think it was something like 15 points to get to the top of the mini league and we hadn't been able to focus on that We'd kind of had to put that to one side up until that final game week because, you know, the aim was to finish in the top 50K. So we had to make these quite sensible moves. And then all of a sudden, that game week 38 for us just erupted. And like the last 15 minutes was was just us like yelping at each other on WhatsApp. Like (laughs) it was just like really random noises. And when that Bale goal went in at the end, because we had Gareth Bale, the goal that, I mean, as you know, Sam, because you're a Spurs fan. I went mental. (laughs) I mean, it was so nearly a miss. (laughs) I didn't realise that at the time. And it wasn't the live game because I was actually travelling back from Cornwall. I was in the car listening on the radio. The Bale goal went in and they were really casual about the goal, the, the, the way they delivered. Oh, yeah. So Spurs have tied this one up and Leicester aren't going to make it into the top four. But I'm in the car. Like, yeah! <laughs> I knew that was the moment where we'd won the mini league. So game week 38 for us was like such a rush. It's to, funny, isn't to it? Win the mini league. Because I think that, you know, game weeks 36 and 37, they're so stressful, aren't they? Because it's like, you're building to something towards the end of the season. You're trying to get that last team looking okay. You're also worried about what rotation might come and what that's going to look like. But then when the deadline passes for 38, it's suddenly like, let's just enjoy it. Let's enjoy every goal. Let's enjoy every moment. And because all the games run at the same time, I don't know about you guys, but I loved that. I've really missed the three o'clock drama on a Saturday. I I love that FPL carnage that comes from there being three or four games on at the same time. So to have them all back at that one time at four o'clock, it was like, this is the dream because there's goals going in everywhere. There's clean sheets being wiped out. There's people going absolutely bonkers because Gareth Bale's got a brace when like 20 minutes before they were like, oh, he's not even played. Like I've got no one coming off my bench. The drama of it is just brilliant. Do you know what? There's definitely something in that for next season. Wouldn't it be amazing if they could have like, I appreciate game weeks are going to be sp- like spanned over Friday to Monday because that that's just the way things are now. It would be really cool if you could just have like two or three weeks where all of the kickoffs were at the same time because yeah. I think everyone would make it such like an appointment to, to get involved with, with football. It, yeah. it felt like a real moment of sort of unity with, with football fans because... <laughs> It was it's all great. kicking off at the same time. I really missed this season watching Soccer Saturday because there was no need for me to watch it because there was probably only one game on. Mm. So I actually opted to watch and follow the games via Soccer Saturday for the last game of the season. It was brilliant. I'm, yeah. I'm lo- I loved that show. And it just adds to the drama. Uh, yeah. it, it was fa- fantastic. I, mean, I must admit, because Lee was on Scoutcast Match Day, so I, I was kind of getting a running commentary of the Liverpool game 
from the other room he was in our office doing that I was in the living room across the way so I was kind of listening to what he was saying about the Liverpool game I was obviously watching the Spurs game but I kept flicking across to other matches where there was kind of a bit of drama going on to see what was happening and oh yeah so so much fun now the last time that I had you both on you were kind of like overall rank we were talking both of us were sitting just outside the top 50k it was like can we make it but you guys had an absolutely phenomenal end to the season didn't you yeah we had a proper blockbuster last three weeks um the we had a torrid week uh in the week after the double game week and we really started to wonder if we would we would make that top 50k but we just really pulled it together, got a lot of luck towards the end of the season as well. Um, and we just we just made the right picks, which is probably the first time all season where we seem to have got every pick right. Nice. Um, it, it, it was a really enjoyable uh, home home stretch. Did you go Mane on the final day of the season? We did. We brought in Mane and Iannaccio for Bruno and... DCL. To be fair, that Nick really Bruno. pushed Mane. So we all got together... And I was thinking like quite a sensible transfer, but I was really upfront with the guys. And I said, look, on the last day of the season, I've never had a good time. Like I've always, I've lost mm. many leagues. I've, I've never been very good. I've not really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, Nick said, let's go for Mane. What's amazing sometimes when you sit with two other people who are coming from a like completely different perspective is that one of them will say something that was completely, it's completely out there. You weren't even considering it. And then as Nick was talking, I was like, hang on a minute. On the final day, when Liverpool are chasing, we can have Salah and Mane in the same team. Mm. And even before he'd finished talking, I was like, yes, yes, do Let's that. Do it. Get, get him in. Get <laughs> that funny. happening. And I think, you know, for the rest of the season, there's nowhere I would have taken Bruno out at any other point. But I did the same thing on the final day. I'd made up my mind very early on in the week that I wasn't going to keep Luke Shaw because I was just thought, I can't guarantee that he's going to play. And even if he does, what kind of team is they going to be around him can they possibly keep a clean sheet and I decided I wanted to do foul so it was like right that's fine I'm doing that I just want to do something that I would never have done in the rest of the season and the Mane thing it, I've got to be honest it came a bit from nowhere it was one of those moments where I was like I've got to get rid of Bruno I looked at Rafina. I thought mm, this feels a bit I've already got Harrison and I've got Dallas do I really want three um and I looked at Willock and I thought, can he really get another goal? Like, but then Mane, he has such a good record against Palace. And I just thought they've got so much to that they could win that game for. Like, if they win it, they get in Champions League football. So there's no more incentive for a player like Mane than that. And when you pair that with his record against Palace, it was like, yeah, okay, that feels like a sensible thing to do. I just wish I'd captained him. I went with Salah. Oh, I could have even gone nice. with Kane. I should have just I should have just stuck with my main man, but went with Salah trying to be a bit safe because I was too scared to finish outside the top 50k. I think that was what it was. It's like I worked so hard this year. It was Where such did you a finish, slog. Though? 38. Decent in the Very end. Nice. It, yeah, Very nice. I, it was a really Happy with that. on on the season as a whole, yes. I think that if you'd have said to me at the beginning of this season you'll finish at 38k, I think I'd have been disappointed with that. Just because I've had some really phenomenal years for the last couple of years and it's been like con consistently inside the top 10k but this time around this season was so hard the the stoppages the covid postponements of games the late postponements of games like we had with Manchester United and Liverpool the amount of injuries that I had to my team the lack of consistency from other teams like from actual Premier League teams like Liverpool like Spurs it was so hard to pick the right players and there were so few players that were consistently brilliant over the whole season there was a lot of purple patches this time around to get on leave aside players like Dallas and, and Bruno and Kane and some potentially but you know Salah he had multiple parts of the season where he just wasn't on good form and moving players around at the right time was a real skill this year so actually, I think 38K was my second highest position of the whole season, only beaten a couple of weeks before I was at 34. Had I captained Mane or Kane, it would have probably been a top 15K finish, which would have been absolutely amazing. As it is, happy enough. I mean, it was, as you say, it was such a hard season. Yeah. It's by far the hardest season I've ever played. That, especially that first half, it was just impossible to call what was going to happen. Mm. The results who was going to hit form, like who was going to drop out of form. It was really tough. So I think 
top 50. I mean, we're obviously going to say this because we both finished <laughs> in the top 50, but I, I think that's a really respectable position. When you look at the season as a whole, you think that's really good, actually, with the season that we've just had and with the most managers ever in the game. And that's the other thing to remember here is that normally by the time we get to the end of the season, there is a much higher proportion of dead teams, of managers that have just given up. Whereas this year, because of all the lockdowns, we had active, more active teams right the way through the season. So it was always harder to make those jumps because people were still playing properly. Yeah, yeah it was pretty yeah. um, like volatile as well at the start of the season. Like You had to get on those yeah. trends really early. So I think for more seasoned FPL managers... I think a lot of people probably had to change the way that they were approaching. And if you didn't change, then you kind of got left behind a bit. Those first 20 weeks in terms mm. of securing points were so vital. What's going to be interesting next season is, you know, hopefully things are going to be a bit more normal. But then does that mean you're going to have to go back to your approach that you kind of went with before? It will be interesting. It'll be really think- interesting to see how the 2021-22 season pans out in comparison to the season that we just had. Greg shared a really interesting stat with us, uh, with Adam and I. Which is rare. I think it was very <laughs> rare. Yeah. Yeah. They're normally the opposite of interesting. But I think he, he said 70 or 80% of the, of the players who finished in the top 10K this season have never reached the top 10K before. Yeah. Because when you look at, you know, overall ranks for key, you know, key people across the pro pundits, across the network that have finished consistently in the top 10K, I mean, myself included in that my finishes have been consistently strong this year I found it really hard to get traction and so it's actually to finish inside the top 50k felt like a massive win um, and there were a lot of our my personal friends who play FPL that normally are rubbish but this year for some reason I think because they make more ad hoc decisions because they usually just wait until just before the deadline they make a transfer. It's never really that thought out. This season was one of those years where the more you thought about it, the harder it got because it was like, actually, if you're just happy to make impulse decisions right at the last minute as times are changing and things are happening, it was it was easier almost to kind of play the game and to go with yeah. a few more different transfers. Whereas for people that look at form, that look at the fixtures for more of a long-term game, you would go with players who would then just not really take you through the games in the way that you wanted so I think you're right I think it will be really intriguing to see how 2021 the rest of it in the start of the new season go okay so obviously this week's got the game is going to be a little bit different because we don't have a game week to come and look forward to we do of course though have a whole season to come so we'll be starting to have a think about that but we'll also be looking back at the guys favorite FPL moments from the season We'll find out who they think have been the biggest disappointments of the season, people that they think, you know, they were expecting to do really well. And we'll also give some awards out for some certain things and some categories to come. Um, guys, let's start with your favourite FPL moments of the season. For me, it actually, my favourite FPL moment of the season came in game week 38. And it was that moment where Pep wheeled out the substitution board and on came Aguero because he has been FPL royalty. It, the man has been a true legend of FPL, but also the Premier League. He he has been phenomenal in the years that he's been there. And he did what we were all expecting him to do, I think. But very few FPL managers were brave enough to put their FPL pounds on him. But we all expected him to end well. And for him to come off, off the bench and in 10 minutes get a brace was just such a fitting way, I think, for him to end his career at Manchester City. Two lovely goals as well. That first yeah. goal was brilliant. Yeah, you- incredible player as well. Like the thing about owning Aguero was there were a couple of things that were really enjoyable from a fantasy perspective. One, he always had the potential to get you a brace or a hat trick. Like it, that was that was exciting. But just watching him was mm. great. So if you've got a player that you just love watching, then even if they don't really, you know, if they don't come through with points, you, you almost don't mind so much because you've always <laughs> just got that. I mean, you do mind, but you like the excitement of just watching them every every time they play. So, like, yeah. there are moments with Aguero that you look back on. Like, I think everyone will always look back when he got that, those five goals. And if you owned him when he had the five goals, Newcastle, wasn't it? It was, then, yeah. yeah, amazing. Even for the games where he didn't score points, I just loved having him in my team. It's going to be so weird, isn't it? Like, when you first bring up your team for next season and you're starting to put your first draft together, it will be really odd to look at the forward list and not see Aguero's name right at the top of it in terms of price. Um, Because normally you kind of, 
you get to the forwards and you're like, well, it's the Guero and somebody else. It's been like that for so many years that you'd kind of, you'd really have to think outside the box if you if you were going for someone other than Aguero. Okay, we've seen the, you know, we've seen Kane this season be absolutely phenomenal, but you just can't forget how brilliant Aguero's been. And yeah, I, I will miss not having Aguero in the Premier League. I mean, from an FPL perspective, he will be really missed. Remember the time when you used to go potentially double City? Yeah. Up like you might have Jekko and Aguero, for example. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, or you'd go, let's go for Aguero and KDB. And suddenly we've spent like half our budget on, on two City players. And now you look at them and you think, actually, I'm, you know, I'm potentially thinking about going Gundogan and Foden. It's going to cost me like half an Aguero. So Aguero will be one that they will struggle to replace and that we as FPL managers will struggle to replace in our team. I, I just don't think Man City are going to be able to offer the same sort of level of consistent assets. So like no. Aguero, because he was the star man and he would be in that team week in, week out. Yeah. Like in that 2014-15 season when he got the golden boot, he was so good to own yeah. because you knew he would be there every every single week. Now, you look at that team and I think they've just got too much and they've got too many options so I, I even think next season, I, I, w- I would never want to like put all my money on the line like I would with, uh, you know, h- historically with Aguero. Even with like that 5-2 Spurs victory back in game week two and Sun and Kane running riot, that moment with Aguero takes a lot of popping for me. But what about your favourite FPL moments of the seasons? Because we had so many, didn't we? We had the John Stones chaos when he was getting loads we had Gundogan going mental against Spurs we had what even was Villa versus Liverpool earlier on in the season like so many moments this year of just absolute carnage that become your favourite FPL moments ones you don't forget I love that Villa Liverpool game because that for me just summed up the first half of the season like we were saying earlier it was so unpredictable you never knew what was going to happen. If you were on the right side of that game, it was phenomenal. Like if you had Watkins, you you were laughing. But I think I a lot of people probably felt the sting and and probably benched him. Yeah, I did. But that 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 was like the first half of the season in a nutshell. Yeah. I think that for me was the most enjoyable game of the season because I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and that game, I will never forget it because we decided to do a watch along on the FPL Family channel of that game because it was the Sunday night kickoff. And it was like, well, it's got like 20 minutes to go before we normally go live. So we were like, let oh, we'll just do a watch along then. And I just remember Lee's face being like, I don't even know what to do anymore. Like it's just, it just got to a point where he was just beside himself, but trying not to be because we were live on YouTube. And then there's me kind of going, I've benched Ronnie Watkins. This is a disaster. But then there's that moment of kind of like, what's happened to Villa? Like last year they nearly got relegated. And this year. They're smashing Liverpool. Like, that's, that is the Premier League season, wasn't it? In one moment, that sums it up. Football was broken. <laughs> Adam, what about you? What was your favourite moment of the season? You know what? I loved the triple game week. I loved the excitement before the triple game week. But also, we got really lucky because we had loads of Liverpool in United assets. But in that Liverpool-United game at the end, the points just kept on coming. It was like, yeah. for our t- I think we had... 168 points that game week. It was a huge week mm. for us. We had all the right players, but when I thought things couldn't get any better, the points just kept on coming. <laughs> My favourite moment of the season, well, the one that I celebrated the, the most was when Salah played against Palace. Mm. And he started on the bench and I was furious. I remember being in the car when the team news was announced and I was so mad because we deliberated a lot that week about who we were going to put captain. And I think I'd made quite a big play for Salah. And then when he came off the bench and scored two, I made some <laughs> some noises during that game. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 wailed like the banshee, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love that it's awful, isn't it? When, when your FPL asset gets benched, particularly if it's a premium asset, and you just sit there and you're like, why? FPL yeah. gods, why are you doing this to me? Particularly when it's in a really nice game like Salah had that week. Then when you see them come on, you're like... Do not come on for a one-point cameo because I'd rather have the vice-captain play 90 minutes. And then within 20 minutes, he's braced and you're like, the world is a better place and all is forgiven. It is it is the highs and lows of FPL management right there. Do you know one of my favourite moments of this season was there was one podcast where 
out of nowhere, Nick said, let's go for Ethan Ampadu. And Greg and I were like, what are you talking about? And he went, honestly, guys, just trust me. And we were like, well, we don't really have any budget because of the other transfers that we're making. Okay, fine. Let's bring in Ethan Nampadu. And he came off of the bench. And I think he got something like eight or nine points. I was like, yes, Nick. Love that. And he was never seen again. <laughs> That's a bit like me and um, Tyreek Mitchell when I couldn't afford anybody else. I was like, right, Mitchell, it is then. And you come 13 points. Thank you very, very much indeed. And there's some, of my fa- there's some of my favourite FPL moments when, you know, those players that are, you know, they're like, 4 million players, 4.5. There's no real reason. And they just come through for you. Maybe you have to start them or they're on the bench or whatever. They're, they're some of my favourite moments. Yeah, they are quality moments, aren't they, those? And, and and literally the only reason I had Mitchell in my team that week was because I really wanted Calvert-Lewin, who did absolutely nothing. But I was too scared not to own him. And the only way to own him was to bring in Mitchell, who then just was world-class. And I was like, yes, thank you, Mitchell. You are officially my hero. So we've had all of these brilliant moments um, and there are so many others. Like there are others I wrote down were like Dallas in his brace against Manchester City, like phenomenal. Bale and his hat-trick against Sheffield United, like obviously as a Spurs fan that has to come up. Or Bale and his brace against Leicester City, depends on whichever one you fancy pulling on. But the reverse of that is that we have had some absolute shockers this season as well. We've had players that we were anticipating being brilliant who've been awful. We've had matches that we thought would go one way. And I suppose you could also bracket your Villa and and Liverpool in that as well, if you look at it from the other perspective, that just went totally different. And and I think we have to start with Timo Werner because the beginning of the season, he was over 50% owned. The whole pre-season chatter was about, you've got our own Werner. And I remember being absolutely terrified because I didn't have him. And like the day before the deadline for game week one, I remember saying to Lee, like, I feel like I'm about to commit FPL suicide here because I can't get him in my team. Because if I want to have a Bamiang who had a phenomenal start to the season, I think he did, was it Fulham or West Brom he had in game weeks one and two? It was like a really good Yeah, they good had start. really good fixtures at the start, yeah. So I was like, I need to have a Bamiang and he just signed his new contract and everything seemed to be suggesting that a Bamiang was going to be the go-to guy. Plus, you know, I had to have Salah. Plus I had to have Kane because the Spurs start to the season was so nice in terms of fixtures. There was just no way of affording Werner. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be spending every Chelsea game like hiding behind the sofa. And then it just, nothing happened with him. And, you know, we have, we have seen a, a build up of Werner. And actually I thought the last couple of game weeks, apart from not being able to stay on side, he's actually looked quite good. You know, he's had some good moments and he, he's getting there. And I, I do think in the future, he might still be a decent FPL asset for next season. But for you, who, who's been the kind of, the, the reverse of, of brilliant, if you like, who have been the disappointments of the FPL season? I don't actually know what you're going to say here, Nick. I, I'm going to copy Greg, actually, because Greg made a really valid point of the day and I thought I should I should I should bring him in here. So he mentioned Luca Dean, mm. and Luca Dean has he he promises so much, and you see a good fixture for Everton, and you think Luca Dean, I really want him in, in my team, and because he, he's so expensive as well for a defender, you just assume that he's going to deliver. Just been so underwhelming. I mean, I, I think Everton more generally have been underwhelming, mm. but Luca Dean. We've always been so tempted to get him into our team and we get him in and he does nothing and we never learn because he's just one of those players that he's on set pieces. He, all of his numbers are really good. Like he should deliver, but he just didn't. And I think you'll always have a few players like that every season. Um, but he's he, one of those he, that, he was a big disappointment for me. Yeah, he's one of those that Lee would describe as reassuringly expensive. So because he's on that side of the defender's budget that he's like you've got to invest a certain amount that you feel like you should be safe investing in him. Whereas if you'd kind of gone Coleman or Holgate, you wouldn't be so upset by Dino, I don't think. But because he's always in that sort of, I was going to say Liverpool defence, but not quite that bracket, but he's always in that kind of Manchester City-ish player defender bracket, the ones that you expect to return your point. You feel a bit more heartbroken, I think, when you own Dino and he just ticks over the two points week upon week. It's a weird one, really, because they've got DCL. You sort of look at them and you think, well, he should get so many points. But I think if they had a Suchek or a Tim Cahill, then, you know, then he would be incredible because he wouldn't just be the one person that you'd you'd kind of be, you'd be aiming Mm. at in the middle. 
What about for you, Adam? Who's been your disappointment of the season? Well, there's actually been a few. <laughs> I think Mitrovic at the start, because everybody was looking around for that yeah. cheap forward. And he was about 6 mil, 6.5. I think he came in really cheap. And I thought he's phenomenal value. And he started really well. And he'd been good in the Premier League before. And then he just kind of melted away. But then Fulham weren't great at the start. Uh, Vardy wasn't great for us. There was a, He started really well, but then he kind of melted away. The one for me was Sterling because we captained yeah. Sterling in game week 24 when everyone else went for Gundogan. And that was maybe a bit of an error. And he just never really seemed to come alive. Actually, his numbers over the season aren't that bad. He scored a, you know, a fair few goals, but it, it just hasn't been that kind of Sterling that we saw was it the season before or the season before that when he was just yeah. absolutely yeah. phenomenal? It's another budget thing again, isn't it? Because he's so expensive, you expect more from him. So if, I think if you'd have looked at Sterling's goals and, and numbers for the season and he'd been Gundogan's price, you probably would have been all right with that. But because he's got an additional four million on top, it's kind of like, ow, I, I, I want you to do more than you've done. And he, as Ad said, he's set such a high benchmark. Yeah. Like he's been so consistent for the past, you know, three or four seasons. He was that player that would be a captain option every single week. Um, but he seems to have fallen out of favour with Pep now. Like he doesn't seem yeah. to be in, in, in his in his first eleven. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him next season yeah, and how sure. FPL price him as well. Because I, I, I think that could be a big a big shock. Yeah, I think he could end up being a big differential next season, actually, Sterling. If if you go with him and he gets regular game time, he could be a massive differential because most people are going to be looking to go with players like Diaz and KDB and Foden will be popular, I'm sure of that, if he has a good Euros particularly. Yeah. But I think Sterling will be one of those players that people will look at and go, no, you're just, you're just too expensive because I can't see him dropping that much in price. He's got so much pedigree behind him from an FPL perspective. That I, I think even with the season he's had now, I don't see him dropping significantly. He's not going to drop three million, maybe one, maybe half a million. It's not going to be huge on this all. Oh, he'd be um, a lovely option though at 8.5, something be like great. that. Oh. Yeah, if he was, if he was 8.5, then we'd all kind of pile in there. But I think if he's going to be over 10, which I suspect he will, we'll end up with a situation where people go, oh, I can't budget that because I've got a budget for all of these other players that I want. So he'll get neglected from an FPL perspective. And at that point, if he then gets back in Pep's good book and he bangs, he's going to be one to get on quickly because he can make a massive difference, can they? Right then. We're going to hand out some awards. Now, I specifically asked the guys not to confer on these and see whether they agree, because I somehow think that with these two, they probably won't, um, which might make it quite quite interesting. Actually, I'll be surprised if you agree on many of them. Um, but we are going to um, have a look at some different categories, and Adam and Nick are going to give us their thoughts on the best player. Now, it can be in terms of the player that you think is the best value. It can be the best differential that you've had that fits into that category. The player that's been the most fun this season, the most unexpected. I haven't set you any parameters, just your opinion on the best player in these different positions. So we're going to start with slightly more expensive players. So the best over 8 million player in the game. Adam, let's start with you this time. Who do you think? I was so torn. I've, I put down three names. <laughs> But I think the one that's been the best to us over the season, because we've capped into him so often, has been Salah. It's hard to argue with the Egyptian king, isn't it, really? He can be your captain against anyone. And you also don't think about transferring him out, even when he's playing against top sides. Absolutely. Nick, did you agree? So I've, I'm going to bring in my personal experience here, as well as our, our own podcast team's experience. So Kane, we've had him pretty much throughout, and he's been amazing. And even though he's in an apology, Sam, a, a pretty poor team, you can always oh, rely on him to deliver. But on on the other side, like I didn't have him at the start in my own team. And it's become a thing, right, where I'm not getting Kane now. Mm. And I've week in, week out suffered because I haven't had him in, in my team. And I think it really made me realise how good he he actually is. And I think it's going to be scary when he's in a a really good side like if he does what? leave you mean when he, he comes to Spurs again next season <laughs> if he goes to when City when comes oh my back God. Nick, is that what you mean it's magic yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> like I'm... he he will be so dangerous like his numbers are ridiculous for the past how many seasons so next season if he does take a step up he's going to be phenomenal I must admit, I struggle to argue with either of you, to be honest, because they are both, and they have both been absolutely phenomenal picks this season. Um, 
I think you could couple Sun in there as well because he's had a fantastic season, not necessarily in terms of goals, although his goals have been excellent, but he's the, the amount of kind of together play he's had with Harry Kane this season has just been unbelievable to watch. Um, I know that I'm a Spurs fan, and so obviously I think it's been unbelievable to watch, but I think from even a neutral perspective, most people have loved seeing the Kane and Son combinations week upon week, you know, broken the Premier League record. They've been amazing. So there's been a few, I think, that you could argue have been the best over 8 million player this season, and, and Salah and, and Kane are definitely, definitely right up there. But what about the under 8 million players? Because this one could go any which way, because there's so many brilliant differentials from this season. Nick, we'll start with you this time. What do you think? So I've gone for a chap I've got a bit of a soft spot for, Rafinha. I love it when a player comes in a bit later in the season and, you know, he, he he's not started for the first third of the season and he he turns up and he starts delivering straight away. And he was he's pretty cheap. He was like, what, like five, five and a half million in a really attacking side. He was on all set pieces I think by the end of the season, he was just outside the top five in terms of assists for yeah. midfielders in, in the league, having played like a third less games. So I, I loved having Rafinha in our, in our team and, and we'll come on to it later, but I think he he's he's going to be brilliant. I, I have no idea what they'll price him at, but I think next season, if Leeds can keep up that momentum, which I assume they will, he's going to be brilliant. Yeah, it, Leeds have been, for me, they have been the absolute turn up this season. I, I I was expecting Leeds to come and play good football, but I wasn't expecting them to be as good as they have been. I thought they'd turn up, they'd try and play the Premier League in the way that they did in the Championship. And I wasn't necessarily sure that they had the defence in place to be able to do that, but they have absolutely proved me wrong. And they have just been, there's so many of their assets. I mean, in this category, you literally could pick any Leeds player, I think, but Rafina is right up there, right up there. Adam, who did you go for? Do you know what? I was really split because at the start of the season, Grealish was Mm -hmm. so good for us. And then obviously he's had his problems with injuries and, and he kind of tailed off a bit. He kind of tailed off a bit before that, uh, injury as well the second half of the season Trent was incredible for us because not lots of people jumped on Trent yeah. and we got onto that quite early at that stage we were at that point of right if we spot a player let's just get on to it early before everybody else does so we were a bit more aggressive in the second half, half of the season for pure consistency I think it's Bamford over the course of the season he's been brilliant for us we've even captained Bamford a couple of times yeah. Um, there was the game he got the hat trick, which I think was the Villa game where all of a sudden he turned into like Marco Van Basten. <laughs> he was just incredible. There was that one he kind of scooped around the corner. I think, I don't know if it was the second or the third, but it was absolutely brilliant. Yes, yeah, so I think for consistency and over the course of the season, Bamford has been brilliant for our team. Who, well, would, who to, would you go for? Who would you go for, Sam? Well, actually, just to hat trick it up with Leeds, I'd go Dallas. I, I just think that Dallas, for me, there was that whole rhetoric, wasn't there, at the beginning of the season, which we were all kind of like, let's go with the Leeds defender. They're really cheap. You can bench them. It doesn't really matter. But do you go Ailing or do you go Dallas? And it was that swing of, of kind of like decisions between the two of them. And I, I remember like within a couple of weeks, it became quite clear that it was you go Dallas and you just love him. You literally just take him, you give him a cuddle and you keep him in your team and you start him regardless of what's happening because his attacking threat was so good. And Leeds defensively kept enough clean sheets that he was getting the clean sheet points as well as these attacking returns. And when you're 4.5 million and you're returning in the way that Dallas did, even against the big side, you know, we're talking about goals against Manchester City, goals against Spurs. It's like... This is this is just an asset that is just unbelievable. And you put him alongside the likes of Rafina and Bamford, and suddenly you've got this almighty attacking threat. Uh, it, yeah. So for me, Dallas was it was just a gift. And it's you always look for it, don't you? There's that one player that you know is going to be the, the, the gift that keeps on giving. And when you end up with a midfielder who's a defender in the game at 4.5 million, you're loving it. And I took him out as part of my wild card because Leeds were going into that really difficult patch of fixtures. I benched him for the Man City game when he got a brace and then promptly sold him the week after 
why I thought that was a good idea, I never know. But he, I brought him back in for the last couple of game weeks and he was just, I just loved owning Dallas. And I suspect we'll see him in the midfield list for next season, which will make him a little bit less attractive in the same way that it was with Lundstrom this year. But even so, I still think that he'll be relatively cheap and will still make him really nice enabler for next year. So investing in Leeds feels like something that I would definitely do for 21-22. Yeah, I um, think Leeds finished really strong as well, which is always kind of a good barometer. You know, if there's a team that have been really good through the season, but they lose the last five games, I'm not as interested. Whereas Leeds were as strong, if not stronger at the end. So if they can keep hold all, of all of their players, because I think they will, you know, there'll be people knocking on the door because they're, sure. they're un- undoubtedly, you know, Rafinha is crying out to play for a top, top side. But if they can keep hold of those players and maybe even bring in one or two, then I think, even if they're a bit more expensive, Leeds are still worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, all right, let's think about set and forget captains. Who do you think has been the best set and forget captain option? Because there is a lot of talk in the community at the moment about people looking back at the stats from the year and how actually if they'd have left the captain's armband on one player the whole season, they'd have got more points, more captaincy points. So if you had to do it all again um, this season, who would you have put your captain's armband on and thought, right, I'll just leave it with them. That's a good question. I think there are three top contenders and I think I would probably go for, I think Bruno, because at the end of the season he was rested. So he, you know, didn't have as many games towards the end of the season. I think I'd be most confident thinking, yeah, Bruno, Bruno is the guy. Although he did slightly tail off a bit towards the end of the season with Pogba coming in and then the Europa League. So, you know, I I probably wouldn't, I would have wanted to remove it in the later stages, purely based on, you know, how things panned out. But in the early part of the season, up until like game week, I don't know what it was, like 28, 30, he was just mm. consistently incredible. Nick, do you agree? Uh, I don't. And I actually disagree slightly with what Adam was saying earlier as well about Salah. So I was torn between Salah and Kane for this because, you know, you need a player that is fixture-proof. And I think mm. those two are the first names that come to mind when you think about fixture-proof players. And... I think Salah was actually pretty poor for a big stretch of the season. Like he had, was it like five or six games where he didn't return any points? Yeah, yeah but then Kane... you know that Kane's going to get injured at some stage. I mean, he's yeah, no, injured. That's happening. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because I think I really thought about this as a, I always like to do something over the course of the season. And this year it was try not to take any hits. That was my thing. Next season, I'm really tempted for a set and forget captain. Just leave it trust somebody leave it knowing you've got the vice and obviously if they get like a long-term injury then I think it's you just move it and set and forget on someone else for the end of the season but I would have I would have done it on Kane that it would have gone on Kane this year because I think you know from a Spurs perspective particularly with the opening games of the season in the way that they were for Spurs I think I would have just been inclined to go right it's on Kane until as Adam said he gets injured and then at that point I'll I'll move it to somebody else so but I do think Salah I think actually, to be fair, all three of them, they're the standout choices. And KDB would be in there too if he could stay fully fit because he's a phenomenal asset win and a great captaincy option. But there is, I mean, I looked at mine and I would have been, I think about 40 points better off had I just left the armband on Kane every week. So it is an interesting strategy. Um, a 40 points, of course, is a lot by the end of the season. When mm. you're, not, you're not talking about, you know, one or two points. If you're talking about 40, that's substantial. Yeah, that would have put you in the top 10K. 100%. Probably would have put me more towards the top 5K because actually there were so many moments where I moved the armband away from Kane because of the fixture and put it with Salah because he had a nicer fixture or put it with Bruno because he had a nicer fixture or I went rogue and thought um, at one point it was with Gundogan because he had a nice fixture and then he didn't do anything or I've had it with Bamford a couple of times when he... So there were so many captaincy blanks and it's that conversation with yourself that says actually if I'd have just left it I've been better off so maybe actually there is there's justification for every week just worrying about the transfers and worrying about who starts and knowing that players like Kane and Salah and Bruno will consistently return and yes they might blank some weeks but over the course of the season they won't and it it is difficult on double game weeks I think to leave it if they've not got a double and you've got other key assets that have, that's when it really tests your resolve. But even so, 
kind of have to remember that they, that over the season, everyone plays 38 games. So yes, they might have a double, but that also means they've had a blank as well. So it's one of those, isn't it? But set and forget captains, it's definitely something I would like to try. All right, we're going to go for best defender, best goalkeeper, best midfielder, best forward now. So uh, Nick, let's start with you. Best goalkeeper this season? Probably not a lot of debate here, I want to thought. So Martinez for the first half of the season was absolute gold. Um, but I think Edison... Like, especially as the season wore on, there was so much uncertainty in that side. And that was the best defence in the league. Like, he, 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 he was great. And I, I, I think it's not as an exciting pick as Martins because it's always nice when you get a really cheap keeper who just makes saves for fun and saves a few penalties. But I think Edison was just, he just kept ticking over. And I, I like that. Yeah. I must admit, I thought you were just both going to go Martinez and then we move on. But actually, I think you're right. Edison has been. Has been great. And then penalty saves in there too, of course. Yeah, Martinez, first half of the season. Incredible, really good for us. Non-stop yeah. bonus points. But I think it that was, it was kind of, um, you know, that was very kind of indicative of the season that there was a point when you had to say, right, Martinez, we need to jump off. And you had to be quite aggressive with your play and get you, get yourself out of the situation. For sure. And I think, you know, I got on the Martinez bandwagon very late, way too late. Aston Villa were just killing me week upon week upon week, not having a Villa defender at all. And when Martinez was just getting clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet, save point after save point after save point. Oh, and have some bonus points as well, just for good measure. Yes. And people were doubled up with, you know, Target or Cash or Konza. And I was just sitting there thinking, why am I doing this to myself? But it, it's so unsexy, isn't it, to take a hit? for a goalkeeper or to make your one transfer that week be a goalkeeper. So I was like, I've got other things to do. I don't need to make a goalkeeper save. And in the end it was like, right, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to have to spend my transfer on Martinez. And I must admit, I never looked back. It was just one of those moments from that moment on. It's like, okay, it's no longer costing me 25K in rank every time Aston Villa keep a clean sheet. Instead I'm gaining rank. And yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. What about defenders then? Um, Adam, let's start with you this time. Who's your best defender this season? Do you know what? He was really underrated for us. And I think it's Cresswell, who at the Ooh. time when we went for him, I thought it was a really unsexy pick. Greg suggested it. It just didn't fill me with any confidence in any way whatsoever. But so few people had him at the start yeah. that for about five weeks we had him in and it was just, it was, it was big gains, you, yeah. you know, until he got to that point where he was injured. And actually he sat at a quite a nice price point. It was around 5 million 100%. or was it 5.5? Um, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like having someone like Trent in your team and it wasn't draining your cash so much. So yeah, for, for me, he was, he was great. He was on all set pieces, wasn't he? And he kept popping up with assists and, you know, they had quite a few clean sheets when Declan Rice was in the team. So yeah, Cresswell for me. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on Cresswell. I think he was phenomenal. I had him early as well when he went on that little run and it was like, you're the dream because you're enabling me to have all these other players I want and you're regularly returning. It's either a clean sheet or an assist or both or yeah, the set piece stuff. He's like he's like the Luca Dean we want from Luca Dean. Like he's yeah. he's doing all those things that you talked about earlier, but he's like a million and a bit less. So it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Nick, what about you? Uh- I love a bargain. John Stones for me. Being able to get into that defence for what was he like? Five million? Yeah, cheap. And, you know, Diaz obviously made him a, a phenomenal player. Um, and he, he he was part of that first choice defensive pairing yeah. uh, for Pep. And like he had some highs. He had, he had a few goals. He had some real bad lows. But I like that in a player, you know, just keep it volatile. You never know what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, John, John, John Stones, purely to get into that defence at su- such a cheap a cheap price. Mm. Not to sound like a broken record, but mine was Dallas. So I won't bother explaining why, because I've rabbited <laughs> on about him before, but <laughs> phenomenal player. Uh, midfielders then, who are we going for in midfield? Straight toss up for me between Salah and Bruno. And I think it's quite hard to separate the two. I'll let you have both then, Adam. I'll let you have them both. Thank you. Thank you. I know that's not the game. <laughs> They can tie. Nick, would you agree on either of them or are you going rogue? Well, no, I, I do think they're both great picks, but I'm I'm sticking on my on my City tip at the moment. So Gundogan, I mean, mm. what a surprise package he was. And so many people were reluctant to believe that he was actually a good player. They thought, oh, you know, that 12-point haul won't happen again. And it kept happening, kept happening. He was a 
a defensive midfielder, like under, under six million, playing effectively up front. And I know, I know it didn't happen for long, but if you had him during those moments when a lot of people didn't, it was just brilliant. Like that, that's what FPL is all about for me. And that's why I'm going bail in this position, because for exactly the same reasons you just said, well, there weren't many moments but if you were on him when he had one, if you had him for Sheffield United, if you had him for Leicester on the last day of the season, if you had him in those moments, it was the gift that you needed from an FPL perspective because suddenly you weren't talking about like a couple of places of rank. You were talking like tens of places. Like it was like suddenly I've gone from like 50k to 40k or 50k to 30k and it, and it's making a massive difference particularly in the upper echelons of the game you know if you were at 1 million owning Bale when he got that hat trick it's like that's going to halve at least your rank by that point and it's those moments where if you can just be on that player when they go mental you're loving it then of course he crashed and burned because he didn't play in that game week when we all brought him in in the blank when we needed him but he had him at the right point and he was great there was a bit of romance around the bail pick as well because if you had him from like the you know previous seasons gone by when all of a sudden he's turned up he's playing for spurs again there was something like really almost like you know if swansea came up and mitchu came back for swansea be like yeah brilliant absolutely amazing all that that could happen (laughs) <laughs> um, I loved it looking at that because we have bail for, for the returns. Were for, I've never seen anything like that in, uh, well, from a, a Spurs midfielder in particular. He was just like every single week, like double digits. It was, it, it, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It just, there are some players, I think, that they just do wonders for you. And, and yes, I totally agree with everything you said, Adam, about, you know, Salah and, and, and Bruno and, but for me, it's that cheeky differential that's expensive as well. So you can't just go rogue and bring them in. Like there was some, Gundogan was actually one of those that was great because actually you could afford to go there. So it was just a straight choice between whether you did it or not. But Bale took some actual thought. To bring in Bale meant that there was very few FPL managers that did it because you had to lose some premiums in order to have him. And I love the fact that some FPL managers were like, no, I'm doing this. I'm going with Bale for these nice couple of fixtures. And he handsomely rewarded them. And that's what FPL is all about. For me, anyway, that's what FPL is all about. The forwards then, is it as straightforward as we just pick Kane and we all move on? Or yeah. are the cheaper ones worth mentioning the best forward category? Well, I've got some cheaper ones down, but I've put them in, a, in, a, in another category that you've put down. So I think Kane's the best forward. Come yeah. on. Don't burst my bubble, Nick. I went Bamford. What? <sighs> just, just, I think Bamford because he has been exceptional value for money. Mm. And he was, again, one of those players that at the start of the season, everyone was like, he's not good, though, is he, Bamford? And then like five weeks in, people were like, he, no, but this, this isn't going to carry on. But then he's, he's just been, he's just kept going. Like, he's had a few blips, but he's, he's been so, so good. And I think everyone knows Kane's good. But I like it when there's a player who who kind of comes to the forefront and is is massively undervalued, and I think that is that that is Bamford to a T. Uh, to be fair, I'll give you that because he has had a phenomenal season. But you are wrong, and the best forward <laughs> in the game is clearly Harry Kane. Um, <laughs> um, all right, then I imagine that Nick. Um, I imagine that Adam, you're going to tell me the players that you were thinking about here because the next category is best enabler. So who did we think was the best enabler of the season? I mean, as I said to you earlier, big fan of uh, Ampadu at one stage, but uh, no, the, the best over the course of the season were the Leeds assets for me. I think you could pick any of them really. And uh, we had all, all three at some stage, Dallas, Rafinha, Bamford at that price in such an attacking team with mm. Dallas playing out of position and Rafinha with his stats being so incredible for so long, especially before his injury, you know, any of those three. Yeah. I think Bamford consistently over the course of the season. But I think, you know, in ter- if you had to go for points per game, per minute or whatever, I imagine it's probably Rafinha. But also in that midfield area where you're so often trying to pick out a differential, that for me was why Rafinha was so good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely don't disagree with you on that. that they have been phenomenal FPL assets and some of the best enablers I think we've ever had in the game I I don't think that that's too extreme to say that I think we've had some FPL enablers this season that have just been 
incredible and the Leeds boys are up there for sure. Nick, did you agree or did you have somebody else in mind? I actually went for Pereira from West Ooh. Brom. Um, and I think it, quite similar to Rafinha, like he, his, his price point was really good. He was talisman for that team. And you often get, you know, relegation threatened teams who are always kind of on the, on, on the periphery of relegation throughout the season who just have a talisman who will defy all the odds and, and, and still pull in the points week in, week out. And he did have his quiet periods through through the season, but he was he was he was a really good player to own, a really fun player to own because you're never watching a West Brom game thinking you know cheering on their assets. But right. if you had Pereira, it did make it enjoyable. So I think he was a great enabler. Yeah, uh, that again, I think that's a phenomenal pick, Thomas Suchek for me. Um, I just oh, yeah. loved owning Suchek. I think about him. he just yeah, well the thing, and a lot of managers do because he's one of those that yeah. you bought in, you're happy to bench him. But yeah, he would just pop up week upon week. And it felt like he went for about 10 weeks where it was like, return, return, return. I just loved him. I loved everything about him. I did not love the amount of times I benched him. I should have shown him a bit more respect than I did and played him more often. But yeah, he was one of those players that I, from the minute I bought him in, I never regretted it because he just could happily sit on my bench if I didn't want to play him for whatever reason. And the amount of premiums that he allowed me to have was just brilliant and like I say return after return after return and there were some games where you watched me thought have you not got a hat-trick here like you've just been so attacking and particularly owning him with Creswell there were moments where I was like how are you West Ham boys like literally saving my game weeks regularly saving my game weeks as well so yeah he was brilliant what I like about those those cheaper players is that I find I become more attached to those in my yes. team and I, I will I will cling on to those yeah. for dear life until the bitter end because I've picked them when nobody else was and they're cheap as chips and they're staying in my team even if they don't score for like you know have a barren spell of 10 weeks yeah I'm still keeping them because you know they were my guy from the start yeah they're almost like the runt of the litter aren't they the one that you can't help but yeah. fall in love with that you're like yeah. oh well you you're all going to get really nice homes because look how you know glorious FPL assets you are but you guys when you succeed I'm going to feel all the more proud of you it's that moment yeah. isn't it that they're so differential <laughs> that they just pride. come in that's the word Sam pride yeah. Yeah. you do you feel like a proud parent when like when Suchek's like banging in the header I'm like yes <laughs> but I feel like you know and then I'll be like give that man some potato salad like it's those moments that for me make him the best enabler right one word potato salad <laughs> One word from each of you on this one. Don't even need to explain it really, because I think that they're going to be uh, they they're going to be self-explanatory. But this season's FPL royalty, so your player of the season. I've gone Dallas. Hmm. Do you want me to tell you why? Go on then, because I wasn't expecting you to say Dallas. I, so the reason is, I think, like you said earlier, Sam, you get one or two players like this a season who are generally in promoted teams hmm. who are misclassified, out of position, super cheap. They're playing in attacking sides and they just surprise everyone. Like if you actually look at Dallas's value, like so he he earned his own as 31 points per million in terms of his price. Whereas Kane and Bruno are around 20. Yeah. So I mean his value is just phenomenal. So I think that for me puts him right up there. Like if if I to, if I were to go back to the start of the season and pick one player, I'd have picked him. Yeah, that is perfectly. I mean, I was expecting you to all say. Salah, Bruno, yeah. Kane, Son, like somebody like that. But actually, yeah, Dallas has been unbelievable. Adam, are you also going to surprise me or are you going to go with one of the premiums? No, I was actually going to say, I think we're in a, an era of FPL when we've got three legendary players that we'll look back on from an FPL perspective and go, oh, do you remember owning them? Yeah. In the same way that we do about Aguero. Kane, yeah. Salah and Bruno are just absolutely phenomenal yeah they are. they are and you could maybe even count kdb when he's fit in that bracket as well so maybe he'll get back to that next season but you know those three are just you know they're, they're next level fpl assets they're right up there with like the best players probably that that i've ever owned yeah uh, it's I quite say- hard to separate those three and say over the course of the season i know they were split maybe by say 20 points but i think it's really tough to split those three 
It is, except the right answer is Harry Kane, of course. Okay, you, yes. you know that, don't you? <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I do agree, though. I think um, I think it is really hard. It's really hard to look at those players and pick out just one. Because, as you say, like there's Dallas, who's been phenomenal at the back. You've got players like Gundogan, who I think also deserves to be called FPL royalty this season for what he did in those periods of time when he was banging them in when KDB wasn't there. He just really stood up. Then you've got Salah, who had moments where I wondered what had happened to Salah, but then he comes back and he's like, yeah, I'm still here and nearly wins the golden boot. You've got Kane, who actually managed to stay fit for most of the season this year, which is quite frankly a miracle, and returns the golden boot. And not only just the golden boot, but also the most assists in the Premier League as well. And then you've got Sun in there with him, breaking Premier League records. There's been so many this season that it is really hard to pick one. But for me, it is Kane. And I, I think even without my Spurs goggles on, what he has achieved in that team and in the season that Spurs have had has been remarkable because there's been chaos going on around him. And yet he's consistently turned up week upon week upon week. And I wonder whether if you put Bruno into a team that was going through what was going on at Spurs, would we see that level of returns that Kane has returned? If you put Salah in there, I don't know, is the answer. And we probably never know because it's unlikely that they're going to end up in the turbulence that we've seen from Spurs this season. But I just can't overlook. I can't overlook Kane. So... Let's cast our mind forward to about 80-ish days time when England have bought the Euro trophy home because, you know, it is coming home this year. When Kane is trotting out wearing a Spurs shirt again for the next season, apparently with Pochettino back on the bench. So we are rolling back the years. Um, And when we know whether it's Brentford or Swansea that will join the cast of the Premier League for the 2021-22 season. Um, who is your key picks? Who is the player that you think, right, you are the first name on my team sheet for next season? I don't think I'll underestimate Leeds again. I think Rafinha will be straight in there. And then I think well, someone we haven't spoken about yet tonight, I think Greenwood. So if he does nail down that, that starting berth every single week and he continues to be classified as a midfielder, I, I think he could be really interesting. He just needs to make that spot his own. Yeah. Um, I'm excited by him. Agree with Greenwood, by the way. I actually put his name down as one that you've definitely got to watch because he mm. finished the end of the season so well. And everybody always says about him, oh, he's such a natural finisher. He's got such an eye for it. He actually finishes a lot like Kane. You know, like Kane always tries to catch the goalkeeper a bit unaware. He's exactly like that. And it, mm. he's just got a natural eye for it and a bit of a flair and that pace. I mean, he showed it last night a couple of times in the Europa League. I know it wasn't a game for a good game for Man United, but he was he was so electric in that game down the right-hand side. Yeah, I definitely think him. I think Liverpool are coming in hot. I'm interested to see what happens with Van Dijk if he comes back, how they replace, if they do replace Wijnaldum, because I think he's been brilliant for them in midfield and, and quite often his role is very understated in that team. But I like Liverpool have ended really strongly and I, I definitely always want to back teams that finish the season well. Yeah. Um, obvious stuff, Chelsea defence, City defence, uh, Bruno. And as I said earlier, Leeds finished really strongly. So I'm, I think even if they increase in value, I'll probably still look at going with Leeds players. Do you know what's interesting? I think I've always said I'm quite safe at the start of the season and I wouldn't go for newly promoted teams. I wouldn't invest in newly promoted players. But actually the people who excelled this season were the ones who were a bit braver at the start of the campaign. So I'm just wondering, you know, normally I'd stay away from Norwich. Normally I'd stay away from Watford. But, you know, Norwich have got a bit of experience already in the Premier League. Wendy. Exactly. Wendy has had such a good season. He didn't really do it last time out in the Premier League. But he's, you know, maybe he's just learned English football. You know, I've heard a lot of reports from Norwich fans saying that the key to that midfield has actually been skip. And if they manage to get skip again for another season on loan, which they might do. They might do. You know, then maybe that's the key to unlocking the likes of Cantwell and Wendy. It will be fascinating to see what happens with Ollie Skip. He obviously got injured just before the end of the season and has had surgery, I think. So he's back with Spurs rehabbing. But from what I can understand, the Norwich faithful are very, very keen to keep him again for next season. So I'll be intrigued to see what happens. I, my understanding from a Spurs perspective is that Spurs are very keen for him to be part of the future plans at Spurs. But I don't think he's going to be part of the plans of Spurs for 21-22. So Another loan in a Premier League side next time around at, at Norwich might actually be 
exactly what what we're kind of looking for it'd be fascinating to see what happens for me I think that there are a couple of players that will be on my my list for the first spot Ruben Diaz will be right up there after the season that he's had and his consistency of starts that's what we always want with a city defender isn't it somebody that regularly starts every single game and we haven't really had that apart from Edison until Diaz arrives and suddenly it's like right you are the man Pep clearly trusts you and Man City are a far better side with him in it and Mason Mount is another one that I'm kind of really, I think will have a really, really good season next year. He's on my list of players to watch and players that will be in my team straight away. Because I think what we've seen under Tuchel is a development of Mason Mount. Again, he was already brilliant under Lampard, but he's come on a lot under Tuchel and he's become a really important part of that Chelsea side. And, and I suspect moving forward that that will only increase. So yeah, for me, Mason Mount is going to be one that I'll be trying to weave into my team. And obviously I can only own Kane if he's still wearing the Lily Whites of, of Spurs next year. So <laughs> depending on what happens with Kane, my season may die before it's even started. But hey, we'll find out. In I really, really want Havertz to be good. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's one of those players that would be great fun to own from a, from an FPL perspective. So I'm really hoping that he, he, he continues to show some of this form that he's shown in the in in this last stretch, because mm. um, he, he he is a great player. And if Chelsea, I know Ch- Chelsea are often referred to as not having clip with all of their new sides, but I mean they've done all right since yeah. Tuchel's come in. They're in a Champions League final, but I still don't think they really showed that that kind of the big price tags that have been put on Werner and Haver. So I'd love it if one of those came came, came good. Yeah, I agree. Nick, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on. Well done for making it through your first seasons as content creators, because quite frankly, what a season you picked to start your experiment um, with your team, because it has been hardcore, this one. So next season can only get easier. We will be back um, as soon as the game launches with more Scout the Game Weeks. I'll have... I'm sure the guys back on, plus Greg, hopefully next time as well, to look at their pre-season thoughts. And obviously we will do Scout the Game Week every single week during the 21-22 season, thinking about who's hot, who's not, who's coming in, who's going out. And of course, where's Harry Kane, which will be the most important question to answer up until that transfer window closes. And my goodness, it better close quickly before he has a chance to go absolutely anywhere. Have a great summer, everybody. Enjoy the Euros. Come on, England. It is coming home.